Welcome to another Innovation Forum podcast with me, Ian Welsh. Delighted that joining me today is Rasheen Mortimer, Lead for Private Sector Engagement at the Tropical Forest Alliance, and Ian Suarganda, who's Head of Policy and Advocacy at Golden Agri Resources from the palm oil sector. So welcome to you both. We're going to be talking a bit about the changing regulation in commodity supply chains, and particularly thinking about the move to due diligence. So Ian, turn to you first. Thinking about the changing regulatory landscape for the palm oil sector, what's on your wish list for 2022? We do see a trend of increasing legislation on supply chain, you know, to regulate the agri-commodity supply chain. I think in palm oil industry, actors have already done a lot, actually, to improve the sustainability performance of the supply chain. Things I would like to see in legislation, these legislations should reinforce the supply chain transformation already underway. Okay, and what I mean by this specifically is legislation should be inclusive, not exclusive. At the moment, many of the legislation that I see is that smallholders are at risk of being excluded because, for example, they cannot demonstrate compliance with the proposed regulations. What I also would like to see is legislation should aim to build trust between actors. A key change that I would like to see is a change in language from negative to positive, you know, from deforestation to forest protection, from prohibition and exclusion to transformation and inclusion. Rasheen, same question to you then, and, and perhaps expanding beyond palm oil. What's on your wish list for 2022 and what are the changes that you'd like to see come through? There are many reasons to be optimistic about the direction things are going regarding regulation, whether it's EU or uh, in the UK, US and China. There's a lot of demand-side regulation moving to promote sustainable production and trade, which is very exciting, something that has been called for for a long time. Regarding things to change, speaking a bit to Ian's point, it's really it's not so much a change, but just making sure that all of this work and effort in the regulatory space does really contribute to the goal of protecting forests as well and other ecosystems, as well as genuinely promoting, as Ian said, the transformation that's happening on the ground and promoting the good practices and, and helping people who need a bit of extra support to do those practices. One goal is definitely to have a, a deforestation-free supply coming into Europe, but I hope that what we see throughout the year is that that's not the only box that gets ticked. There are a lot of conversations, obviously, about the new EU due diligence rules, which could be in place by 2023, with enforcement rolling out over the following two years. Ian, what is it you like about these proposals and where do you think they need to be improved? There's some items we like. There's some items that I think that can be improved. I think the items we like, I can name two. One is the cutoff date. They put a cutoff date of 2020. That is in consideration of the challenge of smallholders. Also, it's in line with SDG 15. Yeah, that talks about uh, conservation above ground. The other thing we like is that it creates a level playing field. Not so much everybody within Europe needs to contribute to transforming the supply chain, but more in the sense that it's a shared responsibility, that it's both upstream and downstream actors are responsible for ensuring a sustainable supply chain. Where I think we can see improvement is there needs to be more awareness and understanding of the smallholder challenge and risk mitigation of smallholders are different from risk and risk mitigation on companies. EU should really provide specific guidance for European companies how to tackle smallholders. I think the other items I would like to see is to send the correct signals. So at the moment, the signal is if the country is high risk or the producer is high risk, then they should be excluded from the supply chain. And that is not what we want. What we want is the continuing transformation of the supply chain, and there we need actually the signal that 
European companies should invest in the supply chain, not to exclude them. That's a great point about exclusion and one we can come back to in a second. Rashid, same question to you. What are you seeing about the EU regulations that you like and where do you think there can be improvements? Obviously, what I really like about the proposal is just the potential that it has to not only curb commodity-driven deforestation, but also protect forests and livelihoods. And as Ian said, it does set the bar high for similar demand-side policies from other demand markets. So that's really exciting. And sort of congratulations to those that developed it for, for getting that through to this stage so far. And maybe just before I continue to clarify, one thing is that I'm here representing Tropical Forest Alliance, which is an alliance of many stakeholders, but which exchanges and shares views. So not necessarily everybody in that alliance shares all of the views that I would share from my behalf today. That's a group that actually meets regularly monthly to exchange specifically on the topic of the EU regulation and sort of a mix of private sector, civil society, industry associations. I think we're at about 35 now. So it's a great place to exchange ideas. But going back to your question, in addition to just that potential and the high bar set so far, I think the the areas that we'd like to see made more robust is yeah, linking similar actually to Ian's point, just making sure that it does achieve the multiple objectives and has a lot of support to create the enabling environment in producing regions for producers to meet the new requirements uh, to make sure that it doesn't sort of lead to this market market segregation where you have sustainable supply going into Europe and the same practices continuing on the ground because there's no finance or incentive to do otherwise because they can just be sold to other markets. And I think, you know, there's a number of things there that we'd like to see in terms of that support that definitely we hope would go beyond traditional development aid type partnerships, but really be integrated into incentives in the trade and a bit of new thinking in that space of how to do that. As well as another point that I really like is this has really increased the dialogue between lots of different actors. Uh, So that's been fantastic to see more and more uh, civil society, private sector, financial sector and public sector all engaging to make this work. We hope to see more of that. And I think within that, we'd love to see more government to government dialogue happening between the EU and producing regions again, to just really make sure that this regulation is something that's overall positive for people at both ends of the supply chain. I think you're right that there's a real need here to capture the positivity. I think there's a desire to really move things forward in a positive direction, but there obviously are some challenges ahead. In particular, as ever, the law of unintended consequences, I think, could really come into play. We've touched on this already. For example, if European importing companies stop sourcing from high-risk areas, The problems there may never be tackled. How much is this a risk that you recognize? No, I think that's significant. Let's say the EU due diligence proposal, you know, there are sanctions and penalties imposed on companies who don't have a proper due diligence in place, especially for small, medium enterprise. It's much easier for them to say, look, if it's a high risk, I just don't want to source from there, right? And avoid the whole risk of sanctions and and penalties, right? And help me reduce the cost also of due diligence. So I think that risk is significant. I hear this also from my colleagues in other companies, that there will be a move away from what is perceived as a high-risk country that could be Indonesia or a high-risk commodity that could be palm oil. That's why palm oil is on the scope of this legislation. That would be counterproductive right, to the transformation that is now underway. It would reduce demand for the product. It would reduce prices that would hurt smolders. You know, what we fear at GAR is that it will also reduce investment in sustainability. 
you need the correct market signals so that producers are incentivized to invest in sustainability. If European companies now walk away because it's easier for them, then you don't see the effort and investment made in actually protecting forests. That's, that's the risk we see. What are the solutions then? What do you want to see change in the legislation that would perhaps help here? The opposite, right? So we want, for instance, European buyers have a policy of inclusion. So we want them to include small, medium enterprise and smallholders and that their investment in transformation of small, medium enterprise and smallholders should be recognized under the legislation. So Rasheen, then from your perspective, what do you think are the risks around the unintended consequence of European businesses withdrawing from high-risk areas, perhaps in commodities beyond palm oil? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Ian has covered a lot of them. But in addition, just moving from one risk area to another, for certain commodities, companies can change recipes to shift to a a replacement commodity that may not be grown in a forested area. But if the regulation is only covering forests and not other natural ecosystems, which is one point many stakeholders are currently asking for, then there's going to be degradation of other areas, which isn't necessarily any better. And similarly, increased demand for other commodities that may not be a risk of deforestation today, that could be a risk in the future. It's not an easy job, and I don't envy those that are trying to to get this across. And really do congratulate them on the good work being done. But there's really a lot to consider, whether it's risk in a country and shifting to buy palm oil from another region or any other commodity that's in the proposal or buy it because it doesn't cover all commodities right now, um, as well as it, it's more focused on forests. So it's quite a few factors there that, that could really drive trends to be changing, uh, not necessarily for the better. There certainly is a lot still to work through, isn't there? Let's think a little bit about the role of investors in the industry and how the conversations with investors are changing as investors become more aware of the potential supply chain risks in commodity supply chain. So Ian, how are you at GAR finding conversations with investors changing? Definitely, Ian, the conversation with investors, so by investors, I mean not just shareholder investors, but also uh, banks, yeah, financial institutions. Definitely the discussions have been increasing in frequency and also intensifying. They have now, you know, we see in many of, of these stakeholders that they're understanding and their capacity to understand has been increasing. And this is also, I think, has been in line with the trend of more civil society reports targeting financial stakeholders. We see this as increasing in frequency and intensifying. And what about, from your perspective, Rasheen, what are you seeing in terms of the role of investors in driving forward the sustainable supply chain agenda? Definitely, it's uh, sort of taking on that role more and more. So I think it's quite clear for everyone that they have a role to play and that they can have a huge influence over having sustainable production and protecting forests. And yeah, what's really great to see, and I agree with Ian, it's this part of that has been the increasing number of civil society reports and more attention given to the role that they should be playing. But what's been great is the response has been strong, I'd say specifically more from investors than banks. So I, I hope to see more specifically from banks in the future. Maybe that's the trend that we're going to see coming up this year. But they're definitely stepping up more. And then even on the EU policy, aware that some, for example, there's the investor policy dialogue on deforestation that was set up to encourage public-private dialogue regarding deforestation. So they, ha- I know they have been engaging uh, the EU. There's information um, online about that. So I don't think that's something we would have seen a few years ago. So. Yeah. Ian, was there what you wanted to say there? If I can expand a little bit on the banks and investors. 
I mentioned, you know, there's a link to their increased activity uh, due to civil society reports, but there's also innovation from the bank side. So they offer like sustainable finance products or ESG linked products. And that we welcome very much. There's basically the banks are setting out positive incentives for a company like Guard to invest in sustainability. And that is very much welcome from the financial sector. Roisin, can you draw a direct link between the shift towards due diligence to suddenly investors getting more excited about all of this? Investors can only really pursue things that are where the boundary between legal and illegal is clearly defined. So these advances in the regulatory framework definitely help the financial sector get more involved because it's clearer and easier for them to have the conversation with their suppliers, uh, sorry, not with their suppliers, with uh, the people that they're potentially financing when the paperwork is clearer, the rules are clearer, there is, the information is on the table. So yeah, definitely, I think it definitely helps. And Ian, do you agree with that? I agree. We want to see that alignment between the stakeholders. That would be positive. Yeah. Well, it certainly seems to be a lot of positivity at the moment. I mean, we had the COP26 meetings uh, end of last year, a lot of progress there, a lot of businesses getting quite excited about how to really engage with their supply chains when they're thinking around a path towards net zero emissions through the first half of this century. What else should we be looking for in 2022 and coming up over the horizon machine? And I think Ian just touched on this at the end of his last comment around stakeholder alignment. That's really, I guess, what we're focused on in Tropical Forest Alliance. So I might be a bit biased, but we really see that for these problems, which are just so complex and you have so many competing, almost competing that shouldn't be objectives to achieve, providing sustainable livelihoods, protecting human rights, providing sustainable business, as well as protecting forests and other ecosystems. There's so many different outcomes to achieve that we need to have dialogue and more and more of it between sectors or structures that historically didn't speak to each other so much. And I think, you know, as I said, we are seeing this come through with this EU regulation space. Hopefully, it comes through in more and more areas. At COP, there was much more private sector presence than there has been in the past. We hope that this year we continue to see more and more of that because we do see that that is needed to make sure that solutions that are put on the table is going to help meet multiple outcomes and be long-term and not something that works well for a while but then falls apart a little bit because it doesn't actually suit all the people that it impacts. Thanks, Rasheen. Ian, what for you? What's coming up this year and coming up over the horizon? Yeah, what has sort of been brewing in the United States and in Europe is the social due diligence that's been brewing. And I think also here, there's a great opportunity along the lines of Rosin. There's an opportunity for alignment between stakeholders. There's a need for dialogue and conversation about the challenges. From a company point of view, also a great opportunity to showcase what are good practices, what has worked for us in terms of good labor practices, good human rights practices, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great opportunity also for the industry to showcase the transformation that has been undergoing. Thanks, Ian. Yes, I think it'd be really interesting to see this year. I agree entirely the social side of issues really coming forward. And I think linking with the climate change impacts as well, because they all do link together. And I think there's increasingly seeing or there is an increasing awareness of how they do all link together. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation. There's obviously lots that we've covered and lots of predictions for the year. Perhaps we can come back in 12 months time to see how many of these were proved correct. But Rasheen Mortimer from TFA and Ian Subaraganda from Golden Agri Resources, thank you very much. Thanks, Ian.